It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Earlier you heard a recorded conversation I had with KSL Television's Garna Mejia. She right now is in Rexburg, Idaho. In just under half hour, uh, Lori Vallow, she's the mother of those two missing children. She is facing an arraignment in court in a courthouse in Rexburg, Idaho. Garna, uh, as she and I were speaking, she made reference to uh, the expected appearance uh, of a young man named Colby Ryan. He is another son of Lori Vallow. He uh, just moments ago arrived at the courthouse, and Garna Mejia was able to pull him aside, and she, along with a a few other uh, reporters, asked him questions. First off, uh, asking, uh, uh, what what do you intend to to talk to your mother about? Uh, He lets them know, uh, where are the children? What has this been like for you? And and situations like this, you know, thrown into the spotlight. Um, I mean, you can never expect anything like this to know that everybody knows about what's going on in your family, but to not know where Tyler and JJ are to be in a position like this, just, it's like a nightmare. It's been hard on you guys financially as well, right? I mean, just... It's it's destroyed us in pretty much every way, honestly. And to have to go through the turmoil of this and have all this stuff going on at one time, you can't prepare for that. If if you talk with your mom, what would you tell her, you know? If I talk to her, my first question is, where are Tyler and JJ? And try to show her some compassion and love that I do have for her, but I have a lot of emotions for her right now. It's hard. Chad didn't say anything, though. Is that also very hard? I don't know anything about Chad, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if he's going to talk or not. That's his decision. I'm really hoping that all of this just ends. Just, it's been a long time. Is expecting to see him inside? Um, he's there. I mean, he's there. I can't do anything about it. That's Colby Ryan, a, another child of uh, Lori Vallow, who in 22 minutes' time is expected to appear in a courtroom in Rexburg, Idaho, an arraignment hearing. She appearing in court in Idaho for the first time, uh, facing a number of charges after being extradited from Hawaii. Uh, you know the story. It's heartbreaking. The development here is that there's a chance that today she'll be face-to-face with another one of her children. And, man, did you hear what Colby Ryan there said? He said, if I have a chance to speak to my mom today, I'm going to ask him, where are uh, where are the kids? Where are they? Man, this story just absolutely breaks my heart. I can't even imagine. Some of these things, uh, they get so twisted and, and confusing that you, you, don't, you can't even, you know, empathy doesn't even apply. How do you empathize with something uh, and someone going through such a situation like that, especially when it seems to be, it seems that there's someone with the answer. There seems... Uh, that there is someone in the middle of all of this now in custody about to appear uh, before a judge in the court of law who knows the answer. Anyway, uh, Garna Mejia and all of us here at KSL continue to follow this story. We'll bring you all the details as they develop when the uh, hearing begins at 2 o'clock, if and when anything uh, of note emerges from that, those proceedings, uh, we'll bring them to you here on these airwaves. Now, uh, let's take a break for just a second. Uh, not a commercial break. Don't hit the button. We're talking politics. 
Uh, it's a little bit of Super Tuesday coverage. Uh, and, you know, every once in a while you hear me on these airwaves get sucked down a rabbit hole, uh, some kind of uh, weird head-scratching what-the-heck type uh, scenario. And, well, here is a good example of that. Uh Right now, there are two frontrunners, right? Uh, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. It's going to be the highest of likelihoods is that one of those two individuals will secure the Democratic nomination for president and go up against Donald Trump. Now, at this stage of the game, there are some choices needing to be made. Who will run alongside, say, Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden? The last distraction we had from all seriousness was uh, my speculation as to whether or not uh, Mike Pence would be replaced by Nikki Haley on the Republican side. Uh, I made a few obnoxious arguments for why that was either uh, plausible or implausible. Now uh, I'm going to turn my sights over to the Democratic side uh, because as we were joking around this morning, getting ready for today's program, I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly who said it, but someone uh, asked the question, hey, what if... uh, could could uh, could Barack Obama could Barack Obama run alongside Joe Biden again, but this time not as president, uh, but or this time not as candidate for president, but candidate for vice president? And at first we all laughed and thought, oh, <laughs> that's so funny. Why are you wasting our time with that question? And then, of course, uh, the rabbit hole called. And I turned my sights to Google and started clicking and clacking around. And uh, the answer that I found was, well, I don't know. The answer is, uh, yeah, maybe, but the truth is it would probably boil down to a Supreme Court case. If there were to be a pairing uh, of a candidate for president with a a running mate who had already served as the president, uh, for example, if Hillary Clinton ran alongside Bill Clinton as her running mate, or if Jeb Bush uh, emerged somehow with a nomination and ran alongside uh, his brother George W. Bush, uh, could an arrangement like that withstand uh, a constitutional test? There are two amendments to the Constitution that make this uh, kind of interesting. Uh, one of them is the 12th Amendment, which seems straightforward. The, the 12th Amendment seems to wrap this all up. It says, No person constitutionally ineligible to the office of president shall be eligible to that of vice president of the United States. Let me read that again because it sounds like it's cut and dry and that's the end of the story. From the 12th Amendment, quote, no person constitutionally ineligible to the office of president shall be eligible to that of vice president of the United States. Well, let me turn my Constitution over to the 22nd Amendment, which reads in Section 1 that no person shall be elected to the office of president more than twice. And no person who has held the office of president or acted as president for more than two years of a term to which some other person was elected shall be elected to the office of president more than once. Did you get that? No person shall be elected to the office of president more than twice. Okay, fine. If that's the case, if you are a vice president and then you somehow uh, emerge later due to uh, death or other circumstance, uh, you could assume the office of president without being elected, a la Gerald Ford. Now, that is not straightforward. It's not cut and dry. It has never been uh, tested uh, by the Supreme Court. There's a professor of law at Cornell University who a number of years ago, uh, this is during the Al Gore-Clinton uh, era made uh, an argument 
well, when I say Al Gore Clinton here, what he argued was, and this is Michael Dorff, a constitutional law professor from Cornell, uh, argued that an Al Gore Bill Clinton ticket could withstand legal scrutiny. The rough outline of his argument is that the 22nd Amendment doesn't say you can't be president for more than two terms. It says that you can't be elected president twice. And if a a Biden-Obama ticket won uh, and uh, tragedy were to befall uh, Mr. Biden or scandal or whatever, Barack Obama could become president according to the letter of the law since he wasn't elected to the position. As uh, such, Obama is not constitutionally ineligible to serve as president. Uh, that language coming from the, the 12th Amendment. Anyway, it, it's funny. It's wonky. If you're a nerd about uh, the Constitution and the amendments thereof, uh, give it a look. See what you think. Uh, send me a text uh, message if you think it's absurd or a waste of your time that I even worked through this. <laughs> uh, 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, I'd be interested to hear uh, what you think about that. Would you, would you support a ticket like that? Or would you just uh, presume the constitutional uh, the Constitution uh, would render it uh, ineligible? Anyway, uh, that's that. We're going to come back to reality in the next segment. We're going to be talking about this aid package uh, voted on by the House and the Senate and now signed by the President. $8.3 billion for the coronavirus. Andy Fields from ABC News joins us next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.